The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Prime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph. Does it never end with this guy? Bill Cosby, convicted of sex assault is slung up at his multi-million dollar brownstone with his private chef and all his lackeys fawning over him. He has now actually insisted the Supreme Court throw out a defamation case by a woman who claims he raped her because she has exploited her celebrity status. What? I mean, I can't, if I, if I wasn't looking at my notes, I may not remember which one of his assault victims she is. How can she be exploiting her celebrity status? No, no. It never ends with this guy. He's been convicted by a jury of a violent sex assault, and he's still out from behind bars, living the good life. In fact, just recently, he had a party that was so loud, cops were called to tell him to quiet down. This is just wrong. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. I've tried plenty of rape cases, plenty of rape cases. And when the jury said guilty and bam, the gavel comes down, that guy goes to jail. He does not go back home to his multi-million dollar brownstone with his private chef cooking up treats for him, surrounded by yes guys, throwing parties that the police have to show up and quiet down. Why isn't he in jail and how dare he claim one of his assault victims is exploiting her celebrity status. Maybe I've got my facts wrong. With me, Ann Bremner, high-profile lawyer out of Seattle who is representing a Cosby victim. Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute. Juvenile judge, lawyer, and founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com. Ashley Wilcott, renowned New York psychologist, Karen Stark. And joining me right now, investigative reporter with RadarOnline.com, Alexis Terezchuk. Alexis, what, do I have it backwards? I, I wish you did, but no, you, you have it exactly right. This woman, Catherine McKee, she was an actress. She was actually Sammy Davis Jr.'s girlfriend. This is a woman who was well-known on her own, was whoa, assaulted whoa, by Bill Whoa, Cotton. whoa, Was well-known. You know what? Of course, I know who Sammy Davis Jr. was. I know that. But if you strike a jury right now of a bunch of millennials, they're not even going to know what you're talking about. They're not going to know who the Rat Pack was. They have no idea exploiting her celebrity status because at one time, uh, 40 years ago, she dated Sammy Davis Jr. Really? What is he saying, Alexis? Bill Cosby is saying that this woman extended her 15 minutes of fame because of him. He's saying that she gave an interview about the attacks, which I think all maybe 60 women gave interviews about. Bill Cosby. She confirmed that, yes, she was one of his victims. And he says because of that, she has lost any right to sue him. And so he's actually taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. He has a nerve. He's got a nerve that she's extending her 15 moments of fame. You know, I hardly think to Ann Bremner, 
high-profile Seattle lawyer who is representing a Cosby attack victim. I hardly think she wants to extend her fame by saying, I was raped by Bill Cosby. Well, exactly. And then, and the fact that he's petitioning to the U.S. Supreme Court in this kind of a basically topsy-turvy situation where he's basically saying she's a public figure under the laws, therefore there has to be proof of actual malice, and she's a public figure because she used her quote-unquote celebrity status based on her you know, affiliation, so to speak, with him and what she said publicly. I mean, it's just outrageous. And also, we, all, we know that because we have saw a lot of victims get around the statute of limitations by using defamation as a claim because that's a more recent act, so to speak, by him. This is Kathy McKee as she describes her alleged rape at the hands of Bill Cosby. Listen. I was on the road with Sammy Davis at the time, and often we would cross paths with incoming acts or outcoming. We'd, they'd either be leaving and we'd be coming in, or we'd be leaving, closing, and they'd be coming in, and we would hook up you know, and sometimes go out to dinner or hang out or whatever. So this is how it happened. I was on the road with Sammy. We were probably playing the Pine Knob Theater because we used to come here and play that that um, that location, Pine Knob. And uh, so I saw Bill. He was a friend. I had been out many occasions with groups of people with Bill to dinner. We'd run into each other in New York or something, and that's why this was so shocking and surprising when it happened to me. Um, because we didn't have that kind of relationship. We weren't, we weren't attracted to each other like that, and there was no, nothing like this. It wasn't about a sexual relationship. It was just about friends that knew each other. And he knew Sammy very well, so I was really shocked when it happened, really. Bill had, I called him first, um, and he said, listen, why don't you come by and take me to a party? There was a party on a yacht that he was the guest of honor, I would imagine, um, and uh he wanted me to bring ribs. There was a rib barbecue place back in the day in Detroit. And um, so I said, okay, sure, I'll bring you some ribs. You know, no problem. So I arrived at the hotel, knocked on the door. Um, he opened the door. He was wearing a robe and a hat, a cap. And I stepped in and he took the ribs out of my hand, set them down on a table, shut the door, pulled me to him, spun me around and had his way with me. Um, and it was very quick and very fast, and it wasn't even, there was nothing enjoyable or pleasant about it, shall we say. Uh, I was shocked because I had known him for such a long time, and we had a friendly friendship relationship, and uh, it stunned me, and it happened quick, fast, uh, bada-boom, bada-bing, over and out. I pulled myself together, went into the powder room, you know, straightened myself up, and Bill went and got dressed, came back out and joined me, and we left. Come on, let's go. We left. We went to get in the car and go to this uh, party, which I was driving him, because that's why I had come there, was to pick him up. Um, so that's what happened, uh, the actual uh, event. After this had happened with Bill, he became like a different person. This was not the same Bill Cosby that I had known all the years. It was like a different... Uh, person emerged, a different personality. So the whole evening was from that point on, once he took me and had his way with me, he changed his attitude, changed up. He got really moody and really dark. And um, he barely spoke two words to me the rest of the evening. And we went on this yacht where all these people were. So I went and mingled with the people. I got away from Bill. And as the evening went on, you know, all I could do was just couldn't wait for this boat to dock so I could get off and get in my car and get the heck out of there. That's all I wanted to do was get away because it was clear that once it was as if Bill had had morphed into another person, an ugly person. And um, it was just a very uncomfortable situation. I didn't tell Sammy about it. I didn't figure that it was uh, anything that... Uh, Sammy needed to know. He had a lot of his own personal problems, and uh, he had to do his shows, and he had to deal with all kinds of other stuff going on in his life, and I really didn't tell anybody, um, except I have a couple girlfriends in Los Angeles that I shared it with, but I, you know, it was very embarrassing what happened and how, how he took advantage of me like that, um, and I always like to feel that I'm in control, and I have the power, and I'm a strong woman, and
So I didn't really find being a victim uh, an interesting tale to tell to anybody. He is known as America's dad, but funny guy, Bill Cosby. The target of police investigations, prosecutions, but now he is the one claiming it's all the victim's fault. You were hearing Kathy McKee as she described her alleged rape at the hands of Bill Cosby. Ann Bremner, high-profile Seattle lawyer representing a Cosby victim. It's the same story over and over and over. He shows up in his house robe, and bam, the next thing you know, the victim has been attacked. Well, absolutely, and we have to think that there's a number of victims out there, including my client, that have not said anything publicly and have a statute of limitations issue unless they come into the arena with a defamation case because we know every time there's a lawsuit or public statement, he, his lawyers and he strike back, and that's how these cases are invited. But they're all, they're all identical, Nancy. You know, bathrobe is either his house or someone else. He's giving them promises of fame and fortune. He drugs them. You know, the only thing different in my case is that he dumped my client out in a terrible neighborhood and also offered to be a graduation speaker at her college and gave her money. But, you know, she was an aspiring model. She was young. She trusted him. He was America's dad. It's just the same story over and over again. Now, explain to me, Alexis Therese Chuck, investigative reporter with RadarOnline.com, exactly what this most recent legal maneuver by Bill Cosby is. To me, it's just another way to delay him going to jail. This is a a case that is separate from his criminal case. Mm-hmm. And he is sentenced, scheduled to be sentenced in September. But the thing is, I, unlike everybody else, and, and you're the lawyer, I, I don't know. I find that the cases that I've covered, people get convicted of rape, they go right to jail. Not Bill Cosby. The judge said, oh, you can you can wait, you know, 90 days before I'm going to sentence you. So he is not in jail. And what he's doing, he has filed with the Supreme Court. He He's asked the Supreme Court to throw out this woman's case. It has made it all the way to the Supreme Court. He's asking them to consider it, asking them to throw it out because she she persists. She's not giving up. Every time he comes back with his high-powered lawyers to try to shut her case down, she still fights back because she wants justice. She wants him to stop saying these bad things about her, to say that, that she's extending her fame because she is she feels that she's justified in her case. He's a convicted rapist, and she wants him to stop talking badly about her and she wants him to admit what he's done and but he's using his attorneys to go all the way to the supreme court the united states supreme court where there are so many cases that are so important across the nation and he is he is saying that she's using her celebrity to attack him well hey she's no longer a celebrity i don't know that she would be described as a celebrity even at the time when she was dating sammy davis jr um To Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute, I'm going to you because her sex assault case allegedly at the hands of Bill Cosby would be a cold case. She says Cosby attacked her in a Michigan hotel room in the 70s. She told her story to the New York Daily News in 2014. She then files a defamation lawsuit against Cosby. Defamation is either Libel, which is a written lie about you, or slander, which is an oral, when you just speak the lie about someone. And so she says Cosby defamed her by calling her a liar. Okay? Now, Cosby is demanding the case be dismissed because she was exploiting her celebrity status. I don't know if that's even a reason to have a case dismissed, but she's missed her statute of limitations. She cannot prosecute him for rape now. But by him calling her a liar, she can go after him for defamation. Absolutely. Nancy, Mr. Cosby is worried about the wrong thing. First of all, maybe the first 30 victims were trying to get some celebrity but now you're pulling the oldest defense in the book. Let's blame the victim. Okay, maybe next she'll pull out, you know, she wanted it. Or she asked for it by the way she was dressed. Or she wanted me so bad she came to my hotel room. Really? This is what you're talking about? Let me tell you something. Whatever happened in that hotel room, here's what's key to me. She knows what hotel room. She knows what date and time Bill Cosby was at a certain location. How would she possibly know that? 
pretty good memory. And not only that, the other details. And to you, Ashley Wilcott, founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com, judge and lawyer. Ashley, when you are corroborating somebody's testimony, okay, and you, you don't have semen, you don't have a, quote, blue dress like Monica Lewinsky had, you don't have a beating with bruises and cuts and eyewitnesses and DNA, you corroborate any way you can, like Cheryl McCollum is saying. For instance, she had the date correct. She had the location correct. That hotel, that event, that barbecue dinner, why she was in the hotel room, that he came to the door in a house robe. That's what all the victims say, that his MO was the same as it has been with all these other people. And it, to me, that corroborates your story to a large degree, Ashley. It does because the details. But the other important piece to note is she has spoken about the incident more than once. And she has been consistent with all of those details. And that is a telltale sign that she's being honest and truthful and not forgetting what she's lied about. It's exactly what happened. And she's been consistent in telling that story. Nancy, can I just say one more thing about uh, the attorneys for Bill Cosby? Here's what they're trying to do. The reason they're trying to say it's her fame, they want to depict her as a public figure. And here's why. If you look at the body of case law out there that have been decided by courts, it generally says or indicates that public figures have a harder time winning defamation cases because often courts view it, view those who are public figures as having voluntary, voluntarily accepted a higher risk. And so they therefore, it's harder for them to win defamation because they put themselves out there. I don't agree with it in this case at all, but that's exactly why his lawyers are trying to hang their hat on, oh, she's a public figure which she no longer is, by the way. Take a listen again to what Kathy McKee says happened to her in a hotel room alone with Bill Cosby. So I arrived at the hotel, knocked on the door. Um, he opened the door. He was wearing a robe and a hat, a cap. And I stepped in, and he took the ribs out of my hand, set them down on the table, shut the door, pulled me to him, spun me around, and had his way with me. Um it was very quick and very fast, and it wasn't even, there was nothing enjoyable or pleasant about it, shall we say. Uh, I was shocked because I had known him for such a long time, and we had a friendly friendship relationship. And uh, it stunned me, and it happened quick, fast, uh, bada-boom, bada-bing, over and out. I pulled myself together, went into the powder room, you know, straightened myself up, and Bill went and got dressed, came back out and joined me, and we left. Come on, let's go. We left. We went to get in the car. You know what? It is so hard to work cold cases. I know. I have worked them myself, especially when you know your coworkers and colleagues have already worked the case. But there's a former prosecutor named Kelly Siegler who is a true champion for justice, and she is on a mission across America. What I love about Oxygen's cold justice program is that Kelly and her team of detectives take on real unsolved murder cases and get real answers for victims and their families. You will love how immersive this show is. You feel like you're right there with the team riding shotgun. They are passionate crusaders for justice, and I like that. That's what makes each case so personal to this team. Watch the new season of Cold Justice Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central on Oxygen. Disgraced comedian, America's dad, so-called America's dad, Bill Cosby, he just never stops. Now he is demanding the Supreme Court throw out a defamation case filed by a woman who says he raped her. He, he, Cosby, is claiming she, the alleged victim, is exploiting her celebrity status. I guess the next thing, he's going to claim the same thing about Janice Dickinson. Everybody knows Janice Dickinson. She's had reality shows. Before that, she was America's first, quote, supermodel. Listen. Uh, I remember being humiliated, disgusted. I, I, was, I had revulsion towards Cosby and... 
Cosby was a very powerful man and probably still is. You know, I trusted this man and I stuffed it. I compartmentalized it because I was embarrassed. And at what point did you find yourself alone with Mr. Cosby? You trusted him, but then things went in a different direction in your view. Mr. Gardner, Stu Gardner left the dinner table. I was alone with him and I had menstrual cramps. I had menstrual, my, you know, stomach cramps. He said, oh, I've got something for that. And he gave me a pill. And did you ask what it was? I don't remember that. I don't remember. But if he's giving me a pill, I, I trust the guy. I, I trusted Bill Cosby. So he gave Why me. Why did you feel like you trusted him? Because of his demeanor and the promise of a career. And, you know, I, I, I trusted him. And I was I wanted a television career. I always had a, I, I had had a successful career for commercials. I wanted to take it to the next level. And at the same time, though, you were telling me you're in rehab. You were still very fragile. He offered you wine. That was a no-no in your view. But now he offers you a pill and you still trust him. It was red wine. It was a pill. And then when I started to black out, I had a Polaroid camera on me. That's when I took several photographs with, with a Polaroid, when I had one of the first Polaroid cameras. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just remembered shooting these pictures and having them on me in my room the next morning when I woke up. The last thing I remember, I, was, I had blacked out and Cosby mounting me like the monster that he was. And I was thinking, what the heck? What the, and I just remember passing up, but I remember more specifically waking up and that he, there was a lot of pain in downstairs. There was semen all over me and that my pajamas bottoms were off and, and the top was open. And I, at that point, Fight or flight, I just packed up and I got the hell out of there. What do you want from Bill Cosby right now? What do you need to hear from him? What does he need to do? <sighs> I would like Cosby to come out and at least acknowledge that he is a pig, that he is a monster, and he, have, he has raped me. Thank you, Janice Dickinson. Thank you, Pleasure. Ms. Frederick. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, CNN. All right. Thank you. I know it's tough. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's not even this apologize. Just, this, you know. I don't know how to process very, this. I do not know how to process these emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to go to church. I don't, I do mm -hmm. not know. This is affecting me in my house. It's affecting me. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's really affected these women. <laughs> To Alexis Terezchuk, investigative reporter, RadarOnline.com, Janice Dickinson's report, her account of what happened. Like so many other of his victims now, allegedly 60, she's a supermodel. Is that the next claim to try to silence her as well, Alexis? Absolutely. Bill Cosby has been fighting Janice Dickinson from day one, saying that she's defaming him, but she is not backing down. None of these women are backing down. That's the great thing. They are all so empowered by his guilty verdict that they, and, and maybe even if he'd been found not guilty they would still be fighting that Catherine McKee Janice Dixonson they are not letting Bill Cosby win he can take this all the way to the Supreme Court they don't care they're going to fight back against him because they feel like that the mask is off and everybody knows what Bill Cosby is that he's a predator rapist and he did this for decades like half a century 50 years and they want justice and they're not going to be bullied by him anymore or his attorneys. And so they're going to go all the way to the Supreme Court and and fight and say, you know, he he's saying that I'm using my 15 minutes of fame. I'm not. I'm just trying to get justice and I want him to stop maligning my character. You know, to Cheryl McCollum, I'm trying to determine what's the holdup in him going to jail right now. Uh, I, again, I've never seen somebody get convicted of rape and then walk out of the courtroom back to their home. How, how did that happen and what's going to happen next, if anything? If anything, it's because of his celebrity. He's going to give, you know, time to get his affairs in order before he goes to prison. But Nancy, I just want to say one thing. It ain't slander if it's true. These women are not backing down 
because they're telling the truth. Okay, to you, Ashley Wilcott, weigh in. I absolutely agree. And I think at some point, all of these lawsuits that Bill Cosby insists on continuing becomes a blah, blah, blah. We've heard what he says, but it's far outweighed by the many, many victims and what they've had to say. To Alexis Terezchuk, uh, the same issue is happening with Janice Dickinson. Um, she is suing him now. Of course, the statute of limitations on rape is long past, but she also was suing him because he said she, quote, fabricated her rape story. So it's the same thing. He's using his pit bull lawyers to attack her, even though she claims she was drugged and raped by Cosby. He calls her a liar. Now she's suing him for defamation. She is, and she's been pretty successful so far. She, her, her case is still being heard, but he is using, he's attacking her. He, he's trying to attack her the same way he physically attacked her all those years ago, allegedly. He is attacking her now through the court system, and, and he's trying to say, you know, she wrote a book, Janice did, and she didn't mention the rape, but she says now, look, I was trying to write a book that was entertaining. It, I, yes, it, it was a, you know, an autobiography, but it, it had to have some juicy parts to it. And she said, I had to cover it up. My lawyers, the lawyers in the publishing house wouldn't let me do it back then. But now I am not backing down. And he is saying she's lying. She's making this up. She's slandering. So Karen Stark, New York psychologist, is to, in my mind, this is just another way to silence rape victims. It's another way to silence them. He's just trying to use his celebrity and the way that he used his celebrity to entice these women. Now he's claiming he's turning the whole thing around and saying they're using their celebrity to try and trap him. I also want to mention, Nancy, that it's very telling in each story that they don't come forward. And I wanted to explain that the reason that they don't come forward at the time is shame, embarrassment, and shock. And that is not unusual. It's such a devastating attack on their well-being, on their personhood, that they just don't feel good enough to be able to report it, especially a famous man like this. You know, Cheryl McCollum, another tactic he's using to try to stay out of jail, he is now challenging the sex predator law. He, of course, has been recommended by the state in sentencing to be treated as a sex offender. A, um, and it's under statute when you are treated as a, quote, classified sex offender, that means your sentence is going to be different. You got to receive sex offender counseling. You'll be uh, classified differently when you're sentenced. He is now claiming that the sex predator classification is unconstitutional. He's a piece of work, Nancy. He doesn't want to have to, when he does get out, you know, report where he lives, and he doesn't want to be restricted, that he can't live near a park and all that sort of stuff. He's full of crap, period. And, and what he's doing with these women, to me, is he's, he's using the court system to intimidate a witness. That's what he's doing, plain and simple. He is claiming, Ashley Wilcott, that the state's revised sex offender registry law is unconstitutional and should not apply to him. He's different. He's special. Well, yeah, that's the problem, right? So there have been other challenges to state sex predator um, reports where you have to be reported as one. But that's not this case. This case, he's doing everything he can. He's bullying. He's bullying to say, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. And I'm going to spend as much money as I have to to try to allege every single thing I can to get out of this. Take a listen again to supermodel Janice Dickinson. I can't breathe because of Bill Cosby. What do you mean? I can't breathe because I haven't slept in weeks. And, you know, I just, you know, you know, with everything that's going on, I haven't been able to breathe like the whole nation is doing right now, protesting. I am protesting because of the 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 unresolved issues Due to rape from Bill Cosby, I'm just starting to exhale. And, and I will say this, I, you know, I, I, I sobbed all weekend, not just for me, for what's going on with these other women. That's Janice Dickinson who spoke to me and described 
Cosby's attack on her, how it still affects her life to this day. Once again, she's under attack by Cosby, claiming that he did not defame her. Now he's challenging the court's decision to classify him as a sexually violent predator. What, 60 women victims, allegedly? Not enough? We'll see where it goes, but, you know, when you don't know a horse, look at his track record. We don't know where the case is going. Look where it's gone. He's still walking free. What does that say about our justice system and the judge who let him remain on bond? Take a listen to this. I went up to his hotel and I was alone. He talked about, let me see what type of acting skills you have. I want you to improv. And as I tried to do improv, he fixed a drink and then he brought it to me. It was a brown liquid and it looked like a shot. I told him I didn't drink. He said that this was going to relax me so that the lines would flow out a lot easier. So I did drink it. He made a second drink and had me drink the second drink as well. I noticed myself getting a little dizzy. Bill had sat down on the edge of the couch. He said, come over here and have a seat. He had his legs open. And when I sat down, I was sitting down in between his legs with my back to his crotch. He started to stroke my hair back in a petting motion like this. The last things I remember is just feeling the strokes on my head. After that, I don't remember anything else. People think, Carla, oh, this Andrea Constance, she's out for money. Or this one, she was like a, what was she, a model or an actress. Like that's all like a witch in the time of the Salem witch hunt. But when they put, people put a face to a name of somebody they kind of know, it changes everything. Mm. I, I just want to kick it off like this. When did you meet Bill Cosby? Well, I was, it was 1967. I was 18 years old. Don't do the math. <laughs> but it was, um, it, I was on a date with someone who asked me to dinner who seemed like a very nice man in the show business. It was in the music business, actually. And he asked me to dinner. I went, and he said we went to dinner. We had a lovely evening. And then he said, would you like to go with me to my best friend's house, which is, is uh, Bill Cosby? And I, I didn't have anything to do. I, I'd broken up with my boyfriend. I didn't have to worry about where I was going or whatever. And I said, well, okay, yeah, all right. I didn't know. I knew Bill Cosby had a show. I never watched the show. I knew nothing really about him at all. And I certainly didn't go there because he was a celebrity. I went because I was having a nice time with my date. So he took me over to his house in Beverly Hills, and he, Bill was so nice. He answered the door. Him and his wife stood right by the door, Camille. I'll never forget her name. And we, we were standing by the door just talking. We were introduced, and he said, let's go to a, a movie. What do you think? So I said, okay. It sounded like fun to me. I was 18 years old. I just wanted to have fun. So... I went to the movies with them. There was my with my date, Bill, Camille, and I, and we had Cracker Jacks, and we laughed, and he played, and he he was he acted like he was playing with a child with me. I I did not sit. I sat down, and uh, he sat next to me on the far left. My date was next to me, and his wife was way on the other end. But we had a really fun time. And then we, he decided, you know, my, we, we, the movie was over. We were in Westwood. The movie was over. And he said, um, my, my date said to me, would you like to go back to Bill's and play pool? I was the, the pool bunny at the Playboy Club at 18. Can you believe this? No. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, oh, okay. I thought, well, okay, I'll, we'll, we'll do that. I mean, they all seem so nice. Why wouldn't I want to, to, to do this? So I said, okay, I will. So we went to his house, and the first thing he did was he walked in. He took me into the pool. We all went to the pool room, and I said, he said to me, would you like a cocktail? And I said, no, I don't drink. And he said, okay, um, well, would you like some water? And I said, no, I'm just fine. And so that's how I met him. Yeah. 
do you want to hear some more? Yeah. About what happened that night? Yes. Well, I just, I, I played, they, what he did, Bill had this idea that it would be fun if he played with my, with my date and that whoever won get, could play with me. And we're getting on around well, what, 11, what, what, what 12. What is the game? The game was, it was just a game of pool. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we were playing pool. And so he, he played first with my date. And then guess who won? Bill won. And he said, uh, okay, well, now I play with Carla. Now it's getting on to be around midnight. It's getting late. And I, I picked up the pool cue, and I'm, I'm playing. And, and I, I suddenly I looked up, and I said, where, where did your wife go? And he, he goes, oh, I, I, she probably went to bed. I said, oh, okay. And then I, <laughs> then I, play, I shot another thing, and I'm doing good at this game. And then I look up, and I go, well, where's my date? And he goes, oh, I don't know. He probably went to the bathroom or something. And so we played the game. We did it. He beat me. And I took my, 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 my uh, pool cue, and, and my back was to him. And I turned around, and I put it on the table. And when I turned back around, he lunched me. He just lunched right, I mean, just on me. He jumped me. And uh, I was in shock. And I... I pushed him like with all the strength I had. I tried, and then he grabbed me and he kissed me right in the mouth. And I, I just, I kicked, I pushed away from him, and I got away from him. And I was like, oh, and I, I, I mean, it was, so, it was so awful. And then I looked up, and those eyes that he looked, he looked like the devil. He didn't look like the fun, happy guy anymore. He looked like the devil. And I said, I, I, and I, for a second, I, go, I, just, I sat there for a second and I looked at him. And I was a, I was a tough girl. I, I grew up. But in those days, I was a tough street girl. I knew how to take care of myself. And men were always trying to molest me my whole life, ever since I was like five years old. So, and I always got away. So I, I took, I, I started running down the hallway. He lived in a very large house in, on the flats of Beverly Hills. And I went running down the hallway. And just as I'm running down the hallway, who comes out of a door? My date. So I looked at my date and I said, I'm leaving. I want you to take me home now, right now. And he did. And I, I never even talked to him about it. I just went completely silent, got in the car. He took me and dropped me off. And that was that. So that was my experience, and I got away, and out of the supposedly 65 women that have come forward, or, or uh, I don't know how many, I think it was that, but they, they, I, 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 just, I just got away. I, there was no way, and the reason I got away was because I didn't, I didn't drink anything. It was one of the main, main reasons that I made it through this. You know, that, when that you say awful. that, the reason you got away is because you didn't drink anything. What do you mean mm-hmm. by that, Carla? What What I meant by that was is that I didn't drink alcohol. I, my, I came from a family of alcoholics, and I didn't live like that. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't do drugs. I was totally clean. I didn't have sex with men. I was a young girl, and but tough, and I could take care of myself. And he didn't give me anything that would have done what I've heard happened with these other women. I mean, I was, I was on Dateline with 27 women for eight hours, and all of us crying our hearts out. Just their stories were so tragic, and it ruined so many lives. And I, I, I was the one who got away. I, I don't think anybody else got away. Even, even Beverly Johnson, she had to fight him off because he had given her drugs. You know what's interesting? That mm. Camille was there. And you know what? Mm-hmm. God bless her. You know, she, she's, <sighs> I don't know what to think about that. What she must have I don't feel like that about years. her at all. I don't know God what to her, think. I don't. I don't know what to think, but this is what I'm, I'm hearing from you. She's down mm-hmm. there and just disappears when you have guests over even if you're saying look guys you're staying up too late for me i'm gonna go to bed good night thank you for coming she just disappeared like your date that's right and you know what was really really tragic was that when i i was when i was on dateline i that woman that was the 
host. I don't even remember who she was, but I'd never seen her before, and I haven't seen her since. But anyway, she would not let me talk. Out of all the women, I got to sit in the front row, but I wasn't allowed to talk. She would not listen to anything I said. So by the end of the show, after eight hours, we were all exhausted. And I said to her, I said, I'm going to talk. She said, oh, no, she said, what do you think about, she asked the whole group, what do you think about his wife? And I raised my hand and I said, I'm going to talk now. I said, I'm going to ask a question. That's all I want to do is ask one question. The question is, to, this, to, to everybody, how many of you would let your husband stay with a, at midnight with a young, pretty girl? And every one of them said, none of us. I mean, they were all like, no, we wouldn't. No, it caused a whole big stir. But you know it was You're true. right, Carla. You're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. I've just been thinking yep. about her in the context of, wow, she's been married to this guy that has had so many affairs, slept with so many people, and now we learn forced himself on so many people, and it must be horrible and humiliating. But when I hear you say it like that, it puts it in a whole nother light. Nancy, listen to this one. Here's what I was thinking of. I was thinking, I was trying to think back on the women and what, what, one in particular that I liked so much. And she and I spent some time together. She was a young, beautiful model. And she was, a, you know, you may have known who she was or who, I, I didn't. But when I met her, it was, it was a lovely time because she, I was trying to just think of what it would have been like to be her. He called her on a Christmas, at, at Christmas, and said, can you fly here to Connecticut to be with my family for Christmas and me? And she gets there, and she's at the dinner table with all of his children and his wife, and, and then she would go out to the guest room where she was staying. To the, they had a, a different little place in the back. And apparently he was coming back there like two nights in a row to, to have sex with her and raping her. Now, can you imagine? She's invited as a guest. I mean, after the first time, I, know I don't know exactly why she was still you're there. Talking about, you're talking about Sarita Butterfield. She was a playmate, uh, a model, mm-hmm. and she recounted how Cosby invited her to his country guest country house, and she's in the guest house yards yep. from his wife, and she kept saying, your family is here. Don't do this. Your family is here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what was his wife doing? What was she thinking? She's not, he's not in bed with her. He's not. Where is he? At, it may two, could have been 12, 1, 2, whatever, but he wasn't there. So wasn't she thinking of anything like this? Like, and, and what was, was that girl doing? She was just 22 at the time. Right. What was she doing? I mean, really, think about it. What was she doing there except that Bill brought her there to, to abuse her? And what did the family think she was doing there? I mean, what did his wife think? She... She knew. That's why. Because she knew what he was doing. And it was all, she just went along with it. I don't know if it was the lifestyle. I don't know if it was her, her um, maybe it was the way she grew up. Maybe she was molested and didn't think much of it. I don't know. But something, there was, they, they, all I know is that they, she knew everything that was going on. Listen, I've been married 38 years. I know what my husband does all the time. And I, I, I make sure I know. Carla, what took you so long to tell your husband what happened? Well, you know what? I never told my husband a lot of things. I didn't tell my husband or my mother or my sisters or anybody else when the people since I was five tried to molest me. I was on a train, a man, he was uh, one of the conductors or whatever he was on that train. I mean, he tried to put his hands in my panties when I was asleep on the train. And I knew, I knew my mother. Oh, at five years old, I knew my mother. My mother would have killed him. And I never 
told her ever in her life did I tell her that story. I knew that if I told him her, like I kept turning over and moving and making sure that he didn't get close to me and he finally went away. But I knew that if I told my mother, she would kill him. She was a violent woman. She was tough and hard as nails. And I knew she would kill him. What took you so long to tell Lou? This, you okay. know, it's not well, uncommon. In fact, it's very common. Some okay. sometimes, well, the, uh, sex attack victims never tell. They don't yeah, want to talk well, about it. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't. Well, you know what? With me, it was so many people this happened with that I had no desire to talk about it. I didn't. There was nothing I wanted to say, so I just I let it go. You know, the truth is, I never even thought about it all through those years, except. When I met Lou and we went to some events and I saw him come in and at, at one of a celebrity event and I just said, I want to stay on the other side of the room. That's the only thing I said. And that was probably in 80. And I never told anybody yet. I didn't tell that story until 19, it was 19... No, it was no, it's 2005 was when I t- finally told. And that was because I saw that Bill Cosby had done this with this girl. And it's this one, I'm, I think it is, too. The one that, you know, that, yeah, it is, it's her. That when it came out and then she got, um, she got, she, she got money from him. He gave her money for it. And that's when he said that, oh, I remember with all the stuff that went on. I didn't tell anything to anybody until I told Lou and that and I said to him I told him and he looked at me <laughs> and he just went uh-huh and he walked away he he cannot stand to hear anything bad about me I've got to tell you something mm-hmm. I'm gonna I can't quite verbalize it but crime victims violent crime victims sex crime victims mm-hmm. can go their whole life and never tell anybody what happened. You don't want to think about it. It's it's so upsetting. You don't want to rethink the details. You want to forget it. You want mm-hmm. to pretend it never happened. It's painful. It's upsetting. And when you think about it and have to talk about it, it's like it's happened all over again. And it can mess your head up. For who knows how long, and throw you into a depression that you can't get out of. And I know what I'm talking about on this. Oh, I know. I know you do. And I really can't describe it. And people like jurors, um, uh, uh, defense lawyers, other people that are not in the business or have not been a victim or a sex molestation victim, it does, I get it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you don't talk about it or tell anybody about it. But it's mm-hmm. embarrassing. It's such a personal thing. It's just, just don't want to talk about it. No. I, I, never, I never wanted to. There was nothing to talk about. And then as the years went by and all this stuff happened to me over and over with different men and places I worked and things like that. But, but the, what, what got it for me was when I heard about this woman I, I thought, oh, my God, I've got to tell somebody, and I told Lou. And I never told another person, not until, what, three years ago now, when those two women came out and were crying on John and Ken's show. They were crying their hearts out, and I, I, that, that, that's what did it for me. I said, that's it. I am going to call somebody. I have to talk about this. Lou was out of town. I'm like, I've got to talk because I've got to help these women. Because I knew right that second that what I was hearing from them, nobody would ever believe it. Carla, you, never. Know, you know what's upsetting with me is mm-hmm. Carla Ferrigno, who was, I, I, I think, one of the early on victims of Bill Cosby. Oh yeah, I was. you know what that is is so disheartening about this. This with Andrew Constat may be the only criminal prosecution that will ever be, because it's so, so much sad. time has passed. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't happen now, it will never happen, and he will go free. It's just that mm-hmm. simple. It's heartbreaking. You know and what? It's just this terrible. is what I'm I praying just... for tonight. I am praying okay. for a true verdict, a verdict that speaks the truth. 
whether they give him jail time, whether, God forbid, they give him probation, whether his wife ever knows the truth or admits the truth. I want a verdict that speaks the truth to give peace to all the women that I believe were victims of Bill Cosby. That's what I'm praying for. Carla Ferrigno, thank you. We are watching as this unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.